All right. Welcome back to the Fitness and Philosophy podcast. Today we are going to be discussing beauty and fitness. James, how are you doing today? Good. Maybe it should be called uh, beauty in fitness. Or like fitness. fitness in philosophy. <laughs> Not fitness and philosophy. Fitness in, in, in philosophy. philosophy. Yes. <laughs> or fitness in beauty. Fitness and beauty. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing great today. This is our uh, third year. It is. Three years of recording, uh, which is uh, quite the accomplishment to record for three years. Like, that's a lot of recording. Um, That's like 1,095 days or something, right? That's a yeah. lot of recording. And all the more so when, yeah, I mean, I think we've, told the story maybe once or twice before but we literally like march 10th was the was the day like in 2020 where like the ncaa got canceled and you know flights from europe and all the rest of that stuff and like i think our first episode we recorded like the next day or try tried to record the next yeah. day and you, you were driving back and then we did it the subsequent week but like yeah, yeah like three years at this point yeah right the, the beginning so uh maybe we'll look back in 30 years and say it was that that uh, we will think at that point in time that it was that moment that made us start the the process, which it wasn't. But, you know, it'd be interesting that we may have thought that was the case. Well, when it's the call to prayer, I mean, history books will record, you know, in the midst of these, the COVID times. It's based, upon, interpre it's based upon interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one one person on the call believed in this. <laughs> so we're probably at, uh, also I thought about it, we're probably at 80 hours total. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty significant. Okay, enough about uh, our beautiful selves and this beautiful project of three years and 80 hours. Um, yeah, 50, number 56. Yeah. And that's Fantastic. like, that's uh, like what, three Huberman podcasts? 80 hours? Gosh. Brandon and I were joking about that the other day about how like, man, podcasts have just, I mean, I, I know you, you want to do substance and, you know, but there's some that are just yeah. like, man, five, six hours. Ours yeah. is short by comparison. Yeah. Um, again, it's my usual uh, thoughts on my usual thoughts on that is I, it's still, it doesn't, it'll probably take time. It doesn't make sense to me. Not, not doesn't make sense as in like, why would you, why would someone want to do that? Cause I, I see the benefit of the long form conversation, but Let's just say that there's, you know, there was, uh, you know, um, Dan Carl was it Dan Carlin. Yeah. Dan Carlin. Uh, history uh, one. And then Joe Rogan had longer ones. And then you get like two or three others. I mean, I mean, in a week, that's, you know, that's 10 hours of listening possibly. Yeah. Right. So I, all my whole point being there is like, there's not only four podcasts out there. So that it just makes me think about what I've been, uh, you know, calling this post-journalism echo chamber that everyone's in. Um, that uh, it's on the outside looking in, it looks great. Like, yeah, longer conversation, bigger topics, et cetera. But who's got the time if that turns into like a thousand podcasts that are three hours each? And are you really teaching people anything or are you just getting people listening who want to hear what you want to tell them 
that's the, that's the that's the thing that's been on my brain for a while is uh yeah anyways sorry but no i mean it's, it's a fair, i mean another i mean another potential perspective i mean that that of course relies on the assumption that once you listen to an episode of the podcast that you are then a long-term subscriber and i mean another potential route would just be listening hopping into i mean hopping into different conversations to kind of get you know different perspectives but i yeah i can see that yeah. where like yeah. it, it can become an echo chamber yeah. of sorts um and if you don't back. i mean if it's outside a podcast listing which is somewhat free um somewhat free that could be another conversation as well you know uh, where you end up spending your money based upon the advertising or whatever that's inside of that. But uh, um, if it's a written word, it definitely falls into that echo chamber concept because you got to pay six bucks a month for, you know, Barry Weiss's free press. And, um, you know, so it's it's just the, the, the podcast or sorry, the blog world just turned, turned back into a, into the media, you know, it's like it flipped over into that anyways, but yeah, I get your point there on uh, picking what you want to hear in podcasting. But uh, when you're quote unquote subscribed to a Substack, that's just, it's more apparent to me anyways, that you're just like, you just want to get in a room with people who want to say what you want to hear. Yeah, I can see that. Nice. Well, what you got to do is but, you got to listen to the podcasts on 18X. Um, <laughs> so you can I'm absorb a, a lot of it whatsoever. <laughs> uh, what speed do you listen to? I I personally I, discussion before, I, think. I really hate anything more than 1x maybe 1.2 if it's really like my brother and I've had this discussion like he's in medical school and I I, I get it for like the vault the sheer volume yeah. uh he'll need to do 2x on some stuff but like I I personally I, I if it's something I really want to pay attention to I I, I really can't stand anything beyond 1x got it uh I'm a I'm a 1.5 times or so maybe maybe we need a t-shirt um that says uh um 1.0 x uh is greater than 1.5 x <laughs> only those who know will know yeah only those who know will know because what is that saying right that's telling you to slow down and listen right i mean yeah. one of the things we talk about all the time that's what it basically means just truly listen you know um either that or i'm the lower order one i mean it's it's it's, it's entirely possible 1.0 is, is less than 1.5 so you yeah. do the math on this one. But but you see that by putting the greater sign, you see it's it's like a play yes. on mathematics where people are exactly. like, it's not possible, or or let me guess what X is. <laughs> it's like actually yeah. it's a speed. <laughs> uh it would yeah. be interesting to have the nerds coming up as uh like you're just walking down like the streets of Huntington Beach, be like, no. Yeah, you know, they're like the two thirds. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like well, let's understand the context. We're saying stopping yeah. and listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, a couple quick things up front, I guess, related to that. Uh, if you guys like our podcast, as always, uh, leave us a review. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Um, tell a friend. Uh, we have plenty of T-shirts up on our T Public page. We got Think Freely, Move Freely. Uh, we got some people, uh, <laughs> some pickleball and, and e-bike hating. Uh, let me, people. <laughs> Whack that people. <laughs> Whack that people. We've got uh, virtue and action. And then we've got, we've got a couple others uh, that we've been percolating on that we're going to be coming out here. Unloading. So, yes, unloading. Sissy Fitness, for those who, oh. for those who know, Gosh. they know. So good. 
so good. Um, right, uh, when do you uh, add the music? Uh, I'd I'd love to. I mean, I I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna mention them, but in I, I have three options via YouTube. I have option one is they replace it all with Muzak, number <laughs> like elevator music, like yeah. <laughs> royalty free. <laughs> Option two is that they just mute everything, including what we're saying while it's going on. <laughs> and then, I don't know, $1,000 per song for I, I don't know, something, whatever it is for Christina Aguilera. Oh God. Especially well, Christina Aguilera. We'll be hunted down. Yeah. They'll come find us in the woods somewhere this summer. There are snipers. Right, I'll be biking in Coeur d'Alene, right? And this guy will just show up. Like, what? I'm out with my kids. <laughs> Does this ring a bell? You're beautiful. <laughs> Three months ago, James thought he got off scot free, and then summer break, some snipers. <laughs> Little Vito. <laughs> yeah, who would be the <laughs> YouTube? YouTube from the sky. <laughs> pew, pew. It's just drones at that point. It's not even. It's not even like a. It's not even a person sniper. That's true, and it doesn't sound like what I just said. It sounded like pew pew. That's like cartoon you know, guns. It's actually just <laughs> one shot from the drone. It's some teenager in his basement thinking he's playing Call of Duty, but it's actually a government program that oh, like uses so Call good, of Duty Robbie. So good. This is why this is why we need your mind on this. Anyways, in the room, I appreciate it. I haven't listened I haven't heard before. Uh yeah, perfect so, lie. what's that? Perfect lie. Yeah, the perfect lie. Did you ever see the show uh Nip Tuck? No, heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So I would say if yeah, if you guys have never heard this uh song before, um, I mean obviously you can look up the song, but the the Nip Tuck intro, uh it's it's very like it's it's the song is haunting and then it's basically of all different like mannequins having like you know their face changed and off. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, a perfect soul, a perfect mind, a perfect life, this this idea of like you know, if we fix you just enough, yeah, uh, you'll you'll be truly uh, externally beautiful. And then, of course, the Christina Aguilera beautiful song uh, from the early two thousands um, is you know more about kind of that that inner beauty thing, despite what the external um, side of things uh, has going for it. So you know that, and that's going to be a, a theme today, talking about this distinction between external beauty and, and inner beauty. So, yeah, awesome. Um... Yeah, the uh, the line in there, uh, make me beautiful, um, I thought was uh, perfect for today because uh, it makes us question, well, you know, uh, what is what is perfect in their definition uh, of beautiful, right? You, like you said, perfect this, perfect that, everything's perfect. But then uh, as they say, uh, to finish up one of the choruses, it's uh, all a perfect lie. Yeah, it's a it's a lie that, quote unquote, to your point of uh, um, what we're going to discuss here today. Uh, how do we determine what is beautiful? Who Who's the decider? Who's the who's the decider of what that means? Um, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, and I think I'm, I, we've discussed before different, you know, philosophical shows and philosophical movies like The Matrix or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, nip, nip, tuck, not necessarily explicitly so like the good place where they're discussing Kant and Aristotle, but. Uh, I would say definitely lots of philosophical themes where they struggle with, you know, you know, there's a kid with a cleft palate and they're obviously fixing the kid with the cleft palate. And then there's, you know, the cheetah lady 
who's had, you know, a hundred different surgeries, but the, you know, these interesting kind of ethical yeah. and deeper discussions yeah. about what beauty is. So for those yeah. who are interested, good, good show to check out. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, I'll, uh, I'll look at it in a different light now. Um, so as per usual, let's just start out with the the definition and then talk in, talk about some philosophical considerations before going into the, uh, the fitness and beauty discussion. So, uh, what is beauty? Um, now, of course, this dictionary definition doesn't really give us what is beauty. It tells us what considerations might go into one's definition of beauty. So a yeah. combination of qualities such as uh, shape, color, form uh, that leads someone to, uh, I think that got left off, but that leads someone to characterize something as beautiful. Yeah. Um, the yeah. adjective there would be pleasing the senses or the mind aesthetically. I, uh, I did a search on, <laughs> I guess this is again, uh, what I don't want to disclose too much about what comes up in my search queries based upon my personal logarithm. <laughs> again, I'm, uh, I think I'm going to blame my girls for this, but so the fir first search, the second point of uh, the definition of beauty was, and this is word for word, one that is beautiful comma especially a beautiful woman mm. so that's an, that's another interesting thing which i wanted to bring to the table today about the concept of sexual attraction mating who who more so owns that wording you know where does that where does that lie in terms of if we were put it into a realm of uh, femininity versus masculinity and the concept of it you know I, so i i found that fairly interesting and then the second query result was X T R E M E lashes, extreme lashes, <laughs> like, like lashes, right? Yeah. Uh, huh. So, anyways, that was my second search query under the definition for okay. me. Yeah. So I, I would assume it's uh my daughter Chloe's uh uh nonstop uh conversation with her friends around Sephora, and uh this is probably like sneaking into my logarithm. Because <laughs> I find I find lashes disgusting, <laughs> the big, the big, you know, so personally, so I'm thinking, why in the hell would that show up in my, in my thing, but I'm sure they're listening into my household and they hear Chloe, they're like, is that James talking about Sephora makeup? And then it just shows up in your algorithm. No, I think I think you bring up a good point, and you know what the you know again we joked at the beginning of this. This may be the show that gets us canceled. I'm going to state this as a pure descriptive fact here, no normativity, but as a pure descriptive fact in the current culture today related to what you said. Uh, yes, it is. It is a descriptive fact that um, for uh, you know women typically, you know the the idea of being beautiful is um typically far more culturally important and you know that can be impressed upon you know kids and little girls it's it's far more important than it is for a man to be handsome yeah yeah Let, let's, sure. let's put it that way and then you know there are discussions about like um obviously in the fitness realm strong is the new skinny and you know smart and like but 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 thing things like that where this uh trying to potentially get away from this notion of like beauty being the the central or most important characteristic of uh you know one particular group of people yeah yeah no it's 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 there uh and it's good it's good for us to talk about it you know it doesn't um it's it's just it's sad actually that it 
perceived by not only us but a lot of people as like a third rail which is which yeah. is kind of sad in my opinion but anyways we we're going to continue to talk about it um and you know so we can throw claire from the get-go um you know we're, we're not we're not making it a typical or stereotypical characteristic owned by one sex or another um but we can't turn our back neither on some truths in culture and long-term a long-term process of that word falling in the line of the female uh, for multiple yeah. different things. Although as a caveat on the last point, um, I have said, sorry, I'm getting a phone call here. I have to decline. Um, I've act words have actually come out of my mouth where I've said that Brad Pitt is beautiful. Um, so <laughs> I hold no qualms about making that statement. <laughs> um, and at the time, you know, during his fight club years and legends of the fall, um, you know, he, he was a beautiful man. So, yeah. uh, and I think I've, I think I've actually made that statement actually a couple of other times about males. So just as a caveat, it's not, it's not entirely in that, but in my opinion, I think the word and the way you brought about a good insight into that is that when you bring up other words like handsome, it immediately stops the tracks, right? It's like, well, then how often do people say, well, that lady is handsome? You see, it's, you know, and it's a descriptor, right? right. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's good for us to discuss that because uh, um, to your point, too, as to where it sits for us for fitness, we want to talk about that, you know, and, you yeah. know, what is the purpose behind the marketing strong is the new beautiful, right? I understand why that's the marketing, but what's the reasoning behind it? What's the intentions? It's good intentions. Right. There's good intentions. Um, yeah. So we also can then discuss the overcorrection of it and what it leads to. And that's what we're to do. It's a philosophical yes. conversation. Yes. That's what we're supposed to do. That's, right? that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yes. Philosophy I, I... will will bring those things to the table and uh, have a adult discussion on it. Yes. Agreed. So two thoughts there. One is, yeah, I think I think uh, if I had to put beautiful man up there man crush henry cavill i'm gonna i'm gonna throw that into the mix can you give me who or what he superman. is pardon superman. oh yes yeah. geez for sure for sure um so that's point number one and then point number two is <laughs> remember remember the show 24 with like the countdown of like beep yeah. Yeah. like as like things are about to happen i can imagine progressively as this episode is going on like a um the laser <laughs> That's like pointed at my temple, like getting closer. <laughs> like as I, as we mentioned, these third rail things, <laughs> it just takes down to like. <laughs> I uh, yeah, but if we continue on with the beautiful man, <laughs> it it starts to move away from the. Yeah, eye. it goes. It goes back. It goes back. <laughs> it reverts. They're like, oh, go back to the green. Go go with the green laser. <laughs> yeah. It's the culture uh, barometer slash sniper rifle. It's like <laughs> how, how far away you're close. But I said it Henry Cavill. It goes rainbow colors. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It goes I from said Henry Cavill, so I bought us another 30 minutes. <laughs> it turns into a, a the, the uh unicorn, little unicorn uh, play. Oh man. Oh my gosh. I gotta learn how to pause before we bring that stuff up. But I, I challenge anyone, <laughs> go back and watch Legends of the Fall. Give me a break, right? Try to tell me, right? Yeah, yeah, man, if you're if you're scared of that, you got some work to do. That was, 
James and I are secure enough in our masculinity. <laughs> I'm a staunch heterosexual man who can point out uh, when I see it, right? When I see it. Yeah, you tell me. You tell me, Henry Cavill in that alien costume. Let's make it. Let's make it more recent. I think Rip on Yellowstone is a beautiful man. I'm not sure if anyone uh, knows who that is. Is that the guy? Um, you know, Robbie seen and uh, a number of listeners, number of males, will right now who are alone. <laughs> Are going, right. are going like this. Yeah, <laughs> let's turn, let's turn the volume down. <laughs> yeah, I named my kid. If I had a boy, if I could, which I can't. Uh, again, too much information for the logarithm. Um, I can't reproduce anymore. But if I could, and I had a boy, I I would put Rip on the list. His name is Rip or Riff. R.I.P. Rip. Rip. Okay. Um, <laughs> Rip sounds like the the stupid dude in in Back to the Future. But a Biff. <laughs> well, it it has it has a relation to uh, I mean Rip to uh, Mark Ripito. Yeah. 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 So Rip's beautiful in his own right. Yes. <laughs> I had a comment there, but I'm gonna. Um, we, should, we should get on Rip's show and talk about beauty. <laughs> we should. We should. Do you know who? Do you know who I Jay Jonah? Have a Jameson lot to is? share. Do you know who Jay Jonah Jameson is from Spider Man? Like the uh, the publisher. Yeah. The okay. Rip yeah. has a podcast. He's got videos now. He is the Jay Jonah Jameson of fitness. I, I feel like that is the yes. <laughs> that is like just. We got to get on there. Talk yes. our fitness. We got to talk our philosophy in there. So Rip, first question: What's beautiful? Three by five back squat always. What's love? <laughs> Three by five deadlift. Love. Always. I see four letters. Four by four is useless. Four say. <laughs> always three by five. Doesn't matter who's doing it. Uh-huh. Three by five. <clears throat> oh man, this this is the stuff I love. You know, it's it's not in the outline, but this is uh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. This it is, is beautiful. Right. This I is. Com- I com- I completely agree. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. The other one will come to me, but one thing I didn't list in here. Um, but another beautiful man. Uh, well, I'm, I'm I don't I'm think sure Matthew McConaughey is beautiful. Some people do. Some males do. I don't think he is. Yeah, not my not my cup of tea. No, not my cup of tea. Um, my wife thinks he is. Yeah, he's 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 pretty popular. Uh, amongst the ladies. Amongst the ladies, yeah. I thought of, uh, I mean, beauty and culture. So obviously. And we'll talk about this later, but like how standards of beauty have um, shifted over time. And yet there's this universality yeah. and objectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, yeah, beauty and philosophy. So it, it's considered one of the ultimate values. So, you know, whether you trace this back to the Greeks or before that, or, you know, there there are these values that typically get brought up, beauty, justice, truth knowledge goodness and you know you and i have talked about how i'm sure in some way proto versions of these just based on human evolutionary biology and forming societies like existed for way longer than culture and civilization but that being said like they only really came to the fore and to be enshrined and you know written down and established in um law with with societies and culture and civilization and um we've talked previously about how like truth and justice are things that need to be like fought for because the the opposite is very easy to 
you know, to, to, to go for. So yeah. it's interesting that beauty would even be up there among those, just something to think about and, you know, uh, ponder. Um, well, I think, I think actually, if I'm not sure that's what, this is what you're saying, but I think it's probably one of the, one of the ones that may, may go back the furthest. It's just, it was named something differently. Cause that's where I, I classified it in terms of the, uh, the, uh, context of ornaments and sexual mating and attraction. Yeah. Right. You know, and if, if you're calling that, well, a concept of, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, Homo sapien, four hundred and eighty-six thousand years ago. You know, what are you going to call that grunt? That he looks like, oh, <laughs> you know, what is that? You know, so if if that is if that is beautiful, then I'd say that uh, wins the prize for the oldest possible uh, values. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. I mean, talking about, yeah, the uh, the asymmetries or the distinction between beauty relative to the other ones. Another one that I just thought of as you were saying that is it's the one that involves the most subjectivity, I would say. Of, yeah, of all of them. yeah, um, yeah. Sure. However much one thinks there is or isn't in beauty, it's probably still going to be more than the others. It's probably yeah, still true. more than the yeah, others. Yeah, well, that's a separate other one for me to ponder on or think about. I'll I'll take down as a note to think about after this. Um, I also thought of, uh, but then again, knowledge, knowledge goes back a long way too, depending upon what you call it. Right. You know, cause that, that seeps into that concept of the, the primal brain and what is awareness, you know, and when quote unquote fire comes about, or they see lightning, you know, and then there's fire, you know, there's a, so that's, you know, so then they know, they know what, oh, they know that fire burns. Right. So there's a, it's a, you know, and they're, so I don't know if it's uh, sex before fire, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. Deep thoughts. <laughs> yeah, deep thoughts. Fire before sex or sex before fire? Sex during the fire. <laughs> sex oh in the God. fire. Sex on fire. We should have that song now. <laughs> Connect. Isn't there a song, Sex on Fire? Yeah. yeah. The Leon, right? Yeah. Gosh, good tune. That's $10 million to play on YouTube. No, I don't, I don't know what it costs, but. Damn it. That's a oh, lot of man. CCP we got to sell. Yeah, that's I man, that would be a shirt, right? So fire... a lot of CCP courses. <laughs> <laughs> sex. So we started out. Yeah. So make a T-shirt. So sex before fire, question mark, fire before sex, question mark, and then sex on fire, <laughs> sex and fire, sex by fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, sex by fire <clears throat> um so aesthetics uh is something that obviously means something both in philosophy and in fitness so in philosophy um it's the equivalent of epistemology for beauty so uh episteme logos means the study of knowledge the logos of knowledge uh aesthetics um from the Greek uh, aesthesis, meaning to, I believe it's to experience, um, uh, is is the study of, of of beauty and art, and you know, typically in philosophy departments today, that's things like philosophy of music, philosophy of art, um, literature, movies, things like that. So it's a set of principles concerned with the nature and appreciation of of beauty, especially in art, uh, and there are all sorts of interesting, and and there's there's a distinction that. Kant actually talks about um, that we'll probably talk about today. There's a distinction between um, 
natural and artificial beauty in the mm. sense of, uh, you know, there are certain things about nature that seem beautiful. And then there's obviously created art that seems beautiful. And then there's these modern questions about, well, is a Jackson Pollock art yeah. there? Are the Campbell soup cans art? Yeah. I, I've never understood that for. Gosh, yeah. My daughter and I just had, because my daughter is a up and coming artist. And oh, cool. um, yeah, we had that conversation the other day and her, her immediate, you can tell when someone has, you know, is putting the time into, uh, you know, that, that piece of work uh, and the hours spent on it and, you know, what, she would be considered what she's considering her best context of what is beautiful in her eyes for what she's drawing uh, to bring up that idea right there. It just kind of, she's like, Oh, so she immediately goes to the, <laughs> goes to the lane of um, yeah. I don't know what to call it, but besides this, it was Jackson Pollock's considered an abstract, abstract works or abstract. I believe so. Yeah. I, abstract I, I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah likewise. But uh, she's like, Oh man. You know, and then she started looking like me when I'm making fun of pickleball. She's like, oh, yeah, a little bit here, a little bit there. Throw yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but but to her point, you know, who's in that lane, um, you make a really important point there, which will fall through for our conversation on fitness as well. Right. Like who decides what is, you know, uh, beautiful for that? How about, uh, you know, we gave you a different story that, you know, Pollock took uh, 24 hours of preparation of mind visual you know perception um to put together exactly how that paint was going to land you know and practice it you see you, you can you can befuddle that to determine what is beautiful not just the outcomes of that particular thing but it's the it's the appreciation of the whole package that goes into the making of it right right got sidelined there but that's what yeah. i thought because i'll keep going there because this is very interesting and this is why even in art from what i've learned um uh, self photos are were one of the if you go back and look at you know the timelines of art and the great artists the ones who were capable of like doing that real deep introspection of how they are perceived was how they came to draw themselves you know in a photo um and how it came about in art so it's more than just you know because a lot of people who are nuanced new to it would be like why in the f would you draw yourself in art but it was it was for that to give an appreciation of what you consider yourself being perceived as as to what you put on paper so hannah's going through that right now and she's learning how in their minds it must have been so difficult to put down what you perceive yourself as written right because just think about that in terms of what is beautiful right because now you got to draw a truth right this is you this is your this is your thing drawn by you, you know, anyways, sorry to go on that note, but it, it does pertain to the beautiful conversation, but this internal yeah. perception and its importance. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, no, it's interesting. And it made me think of, uh, I always forget who said this quote, but, and I personally don't feel this way about like the Jackson Pollock stuff or the Campbell soup can stuff. And, but you know, there are people who are better experts in art than I am. Um, but there's the saying uh, for the simplicity on one side of complexity, I wouldn't give you a nickel, but for the simplicity on the other side of complexity, I'd give you everything I own. So, so sometimes I, I wonder about, you know, kind of like you were saying with like Pollock, potentially, who, who knows what the story is behind it, but like yes. potentially planning it and, and creating something that seems like, you know, a three-year-old could be spinning yes. plain brushes, but there's maybe there's that simplicity on the other side of complexity that yes. perhaps 
is, is harder for a lay person to, to see. It is. Yep. It is. But um, so in, in fitness, when we say aesthetics, it's, it's typically improvement of one's physical looks and, and characteristics. And, and obviously the two are linked. They're, they're not, they're not divergent, um, concepts. And, and we'll talk, uh, later about, I mean, the first form of something that is beautiful, going back to what you were saying about the grunt <clears throat> is, is natural beauty, whether it is nature outside that you would be walking in or hunting mm -hmm. in or or, yeah. you know, a, a fellow human. I mean, humans do eventually become capable of doing, you know, proto cave paintings and other things like that. Mm -hmm. But it is natural beauty is the first that yeah. that is the, that is the, you know, the, the first one. So, yeah, this is something interesting that I just uh, uh, listened to. I forget what show it was on, but on the show they were describing uh, what I, I, I do a lot of stargazing. I actually have an app that I can recommend to people that, uh, I'd suggest they they get into it's called Skyview. Oh, uh, cool. Anyways, because I, I I take for granted that in the Arizona sky, in case people don't know, we have like I don't know 250 to 280 nights in a year where the full sky is on full display, right? Wow. Full, full. So just give you an appreciation for that, right? We have low. Anyways, so my point being is on the show they're saying you see that uh, Orion's belt up there, and they were describing that on the show. Um, they said 37,000 years ago, you know, humans walked around this area and looked up and saw that exact same three positions of points. But I just thought that was phenomenal. What a what a way to put what a way to put beauty of natural beauty inside of the show. Um, and that's what you know, I appreciate with, you know, astronomy and uh, and the cosmos is those things that were have stood the test of time and what we're calling natural beauty. That's that's there. Right. Kind of like the rocks that I climbed this weekend behind in my backyard. Right. Those rocks are, are are so beautiful and they've been there so long. So that's what I'm connecting to on your point of natural beauty. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I remember when I first I mean, obviously, you know, in the health space, we're obviously all familiar with the idea of light pollution, um, you know, affecting melatonin levels and other things like that. But when you think about it more deeply in terms of like it affecting like a basic human sense of wonder at, you know, your ability oh. to like, to, yeah, to like, to see, you know, the stars, like you could, you know, I could gaze up in the sky here in South Bend and like, maybe on a really good night, I can see some stars, but for the most part, I really can't, but just, you know, just think about that human mm. act for like literally all of history, except mm -hmm. for very recently we're like, yeah. Awe and uh, wonder at the universe. And so yeah. just kind of an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, but again, uh, to our point, which we'll get to, uh, there is some subjectivity in that too, being beautiful. That's true. Yeah, right? maybe. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there are people who are like, eh, not so much. Uh -huh. um, uh, funny side note, I heard on the radio the other day that um, apparently local police stations in Florida are telling people to stop calling 911 as a result of uh, UFO sightings uh, when it's... I forget exactly what's happening right now, but it's something like Jupiter and Saturn or in some something uh -huh. at the moment that's making him like very bright together and like, yep. Um, yep. but yeah, F Florida man. <laughs> that's such a great documentary. Yeah. Flor Florida man. Meanwhile, in Florida, um, <clears throat> we should always give <clears throat> a pause to people before they start 
going on because I'm telling you, putting that in your logarithm for YouTube queries, it's gonna it's gonna bring up a whole bunch of stuff. Let me just tell you as a heads up. Um, yeah, there's there's a website where you can look up your birthday and see on this date what happened in the state of Florida. What what did Florida man or woman do to uh like what you know? Wow. They fire a rocket launcher off their pontoon. That's deep. To kill an alligator or that is deep. What happened on your particular? That is deep. Wow. So, anyways, yeah. do the search "Florida Man" documentary. It's a good one. Yeah. Um. So, one of the most famous distinctions in philosophy that we've talked about uh, a few times before, I'd say one of the philosophical distinctions par excellence, like philosophy is famous for this, is this notion of appearance versus reality. And obviously, we've tied this into things like, uh, you know, truth and knowledge, and you can tie it to other concepts, but obviously, it relates to beauty. So, you know, appearance would be external beauty, and, you know, reality might be internal beauty, and they're going to be subtleties here, right? I'm not saying that those two completely line up. But, you know, there are sayings like, all that glitters isn't gold, uh, inner beauty is more true and lasting, external beauty is fake. Um, I think, Without, you know, obviously any of, any of us having to name any specific names, we all, all know people who have external, i.e. conventional beauty, who are internally, um, let's politely say, lacking in virtue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or internal beauty. And we yeah. all know people with internal beauty who lack external yeah. beauty. Yeah. Uh, so. let's, let's, let's keep that going, you know, because I think that there's, it actually is, and it's only from my experience. So a couple of things I think about there. The only way that I would argue that you could figure out this uh, subjective versus objective concept of even this point of like, well, this person that you're talking about who who looks beautiful on the outside, who's deciding that they really are beautiful? And the way that I say, you know, get people to understand it is that, okay, for sure, you don't think that Brad Pitt's a beautiful man. Okay, uh, well, how, how do you how do you propose we go about, you know, polling so many people, you know, whatever science you want a method? You know, and that's my point is that you keep polling people over and over and over and over, and it'll come to a consensus that a very high percentage of all those people will say, that's a beautiful man. You know, like it's a, it, it's, so that's, it's, you got to take it outside of yourself and your own perceptions to determine. And it's not, it's not a democratic, you know, just going that realm that everyone could be swayed. Well, then increase the numbers. <laughs> oh, it's only these people in this, in, in, in Florida. Okay. Well, you use the globe as your concept. You know what I'm saying? So that's how you determine it. Um, but I still I still have a piece there inside of the determining factors uh, around that. But I then lean back to science. And we're so fortunate that we're, you know, 50, 60 years deep in terms of like true, great social experiments on this, on people's perceptions, but connected to the science around why we find these people particularly beautiful. And it has a lot to do, again, with what we consider this ideal concept of symmetries an ideal concept of deep innate things around uh, mating and attraction. It doesn't mean that that's what we're going to go after for that person, but it allows us this concept of the ideal human, um, the concept there. And of course, people can get swayed in terms of what that means for their own perspectives. But yeah, um, so I, 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 I still... I still feel that it's it's all the perspective as you find that that beauty, um, but just poll people. And this is my this is my just my observational data. 
uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm looking for your perspective on it too. Uh, for those people uh, that we all consider, let's say we took a poll, right. And, and we just like centered, you know, 25 of them, you know, it's like, Oh, those people definitely qualify out of, you know, 6 million people polled, you know, they all felt, you know, 97% of them all felt they were beautiful. I would say there's a very high percentage of those 25 people that actually um, are not content. So that that's fairly interesting in my perspective and my observations. So I don't know. I'm not sure if you think that it has a it's a cultural thing that has placed pressures upon these individuals, or do you know what I'm saying? To your point of all that glitters is not gold. Yeah. Well, why is it the case that a high percentage of those people don't turn out to have that quote unquote concept that we believe goes with beautiful? Because it's not. You know, just because you're beautiful doesn't mean that you're cont content or happy. Yeah. Ab absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean. <clears throat> uh aristotle and others have famously talked about this about how that um and in fact it can it can very often i mean just like lottery winners it can very often lead to the opposite you know if, if someone is born in in such and such a way is that they feel like they're objectified or you know and obviously there's 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 scales and gradations but obviously on one end of the bell curve is you know people who are uh you know consistently objectified and then those who aren't even like acknowledged and then somewhere in the middle is kind of that balance between well i'm not a superstar but i'm not like unacknowledged either um, yeah, yeah 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 and i, I just it leads me back to that age old five hundred thousand year conversation right on this uh natural selection process of innately trying to do something more with yourself because you figured out that you become quote unquote more beautiful to the opposite right which leads to all these positive things like i don't know simple things like human flourishment and and growth of another human and like it leads back to that that's what i think about in those cases where we're saying well what is beautiful maybe we just got this innate thing to to work towards our ideal self, right? Our ideal version of ourself, because we know innately that leads to a connection to another person that will propagate and improve uh, the human species. And that could be, you know, without a designer in mind for it. Right. And I mean, that, that just reminded me of uh, the thing I was thinking of earlier. That's another interesting connection that relates to another philosophical topic that we brought up earlier is this, <clears throat> so we we mapped on appearance to external beauty and reality to inner beauty. Um, external beauty, I, I you know, I don't want to say it doesn't require any effort, right? Of course, you know, a lot of what we talk about in here is is fitness and expressing and muscle building and you know cardio and things of that nature. However, however, a lot of those symmetries are purely contingent. They are purely based on factors that are entirely beyond our control. And it's just a matter of, did you win the genetic lottery and did you have the right parents? Whereas inner beauty is a lot more about choice and cultivation and action. Mm -hmm. And um, you can, it, it's something that has a, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the discussion about, uh, you know, Nepo babies and, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's like the, the thing du jour is to, uh, uh, you know, shit on people who have famous parents and, you know uh say that they got their they they got ahead in life because uh their parents were famous and maybe in some cases that's that's the case but that's that's kind of the idea with um 
the beautiful conversation is that there's a uh, unearned good fortune is essentially the idea. Whereas with internal beauty, um, it, you know, while there may be some aspect of, you know, there's probably going to be an aspect of which parents you were born to and were they good people. And, but a lot of it's more of a matter of choice, um, you know, then, you know, James, you, you, you and I, we may continue to develop our internal beauty, but we're we never going to, we're never going to be Henry we Cavill and Brad Pitt. <laughs> so. We didn't win the lottery on that one. Um, yeah. I, so. I also think about um, the uh, consequences of uh, this, this uh, interplay with people's minds on them being coerced in culture to think that aesthetics is a really important thing. And we see this applied all the time inside of fitness where just take this particular story. You have a, you know, you have a 16 year old male who's trying to figure out, you know, where he sits. The culture tells him that he needs to use steroids and get bigger muscles like broader shoulders, right? Because he's been told in culture, not by polling a thousand females, he's been told in culture that this somehow now is an ornamental concept. So you add that, plus when he's 19, he gets some cheek work done because it's the current, you see what I'm saying? So you could you could add all these things together. Now he creates an attraction, right? An attraction. He has these two things going on in his mind. Well, two things happening. His penis and his brain are working against one another, right? As he finds this mate, right? So this mate now is attracted to an artificial version of Peter. That's the boy's name, by the way, right? So it's an artificial version of Peter. So this is the point, you know, how many people do you think have been inside of that whole fitness play of artificially transforming because the culture told them they were supposed to, to only create an attraction, which is a facade, right? And then I just think about the strain of what goes on years later when they're like, this is actually not me. Like that cheek thing and the muscle thing, like, anyway, it's something to think about. And you can use the yeah, yeah. posing, right? I, I chose to use males because it's much easier to pick on doe heads like ourselves uh, doing that. But uh, let's use the the well-known uh, consequences of birth control and it changing up uh uh, female smells and female perspectives and female cognitive function. So it's like, you see, it gets, uh, but it's, it could be all conceptual based upon aesthetics. Who told mm -hmm. you, right? Who told you that that has to be transformative? Anyways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a super interesting one that I, I don't know if you've heard about or read about this, but two interesting facts here related to what you were saying, and this is on the extreme end, but uh, have you heard of leg lengthening surgery? Leg? leg length lengthening surgery no like this is a thing that you know people who are of at the femur level i would assume uh you can I, I believe you can pay for one or both uh and it's like you know it's a certain amount for each but it's it's seventy five thousand to like mid 100s and like essentially it, it like it breaks the bones and then and it, like again i think you can do like one for one set of bones and one for another set and then over the course of a year or two, like you gain an extra three inches of height. And yeah, well, I'll, I'll send you the art there. My brain of... can't move past the point of the lengthening of all the tendons and ligaments and muscle fascia. 
Yeah. So you gain three inches in each femur, but now you got the shortest adductors ever on the planet. Well, talk yeah. about a length tension disparity. You're gonna you're gonna be like you got a you got a two inch walking pace, so you're taller, but you now walk like Frankenstein. Okay, that's great. That's good. Well, you know my yeah. brain can't get past that. No, I mean this is. Do like, they change like, like the thing. insertion points and shit? I I don't I don't know the wow. I don't know the full details of it, but this is something that males in particular uh, have been obviously with kind of uh, you know and, and women receive you know uh, discrimination based on looks for a number of other things, but for men, height is definitely a big one, and um, so that that is a surgery. And then they were talking about the fact that. In Europe, it's less of an issue for there to be a height discrepancy or disparity um, on dating apps and things like that because there isn't this cutoff at six feet because of the different system. So like six foot gets glorified as like wow. the cutoff. And when you actually do percentages on like how many guys are actually that height, I don't know. It's like 15, it's 15%. or like, it's, it's a very small percentage. Yeah. But like in America, that's like the cutoff. That's like, okay six foot, you know, six figures, blah, 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 blah. Um, but just an interesting one of like how the culture can then influence what is perceived as the thing that should be. And then, yeah, like I said, obviously this isn't the norm, but it has been talked about in the New York times and USA today, this, the surgery that people are paying like the amount of college for to, you know, get three inches added to their height. But I mean, it's, it's not women who are paying for the surgery. It's men. Yeah. So Anyway, well, if they're adding link to the femur and not the penis, I think that's probably a, a trade off. <laughs> <laughs> that's the main takeaway, James. <laughs> What's the cost? That's What's the, the cost takeaway. for the penis one? <laughs> they're not breaking any bones in there, so they can't. <laughs> the oh, mechanism man. of action doesn't work anymore. Oh, man. Well, first thing goes to mind for the penis one is. <laughs> That that barbell hip position placement. That's the first thing that goes in my mind, right? Everyone's like, what? Who, who gives a shit about that? It's like, oh man, that's important. <laughs> oh boy. Oh my gosh. Where are you gonna put that thing? You're gonna strap it like Bill, Wild Bill, whatever his name is. <laughs> oh man, we, we've gone down a wandering path here. <laughs> well, you, you from the outset, you said this will be the third. You thought it'd be third rail because we're objectifying women. Oh, no, no, no. This is third rail because it ends up getting into sexual changes, sexual transformation for, yeah. the, for the, you know, for what is beautiful. Right. Right. And it, I mean, it is it's sad, but it's also hilarious. Like, I'm just it's it's human in me to laugh at as like, I can't believe humans go to these lengths right length yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> multiple lengths <laughs> not, not just leg length humans go to these three inch lengths yeah three inches to both of the legs and yeah other areas so god what is beautiful um but yeah as we were talking about that that actually made me think of something that i hadn't thought of previously you know when you we've talked previously on different episodes about how like current culture influences things and how different our world is today you know before 
you know, say 100 or 200 years ago, you didn't really have too much access to what other people across the globe looked like. Yeah. Or yeah. like the most beautiful of the most beautiful, you know, Brad Pitt or Henry, you know, what what have you. You didn't have this collective uh, comparison between yourself and, you know, you know, maybe the 0.5% of people and the technology being available to then do something about it. Mm. You know, people, you know, people couldn't pay exorbitant amounts to, uh, you know, get breast augmentation or leg yeah. lengthening surgery or yeah. what have you. So yeah, it makes me think about how they, in, in Hollywood, they, they will change up angles and lighting and et cetera to, to enhance that. And then you see that person, you know, the classic Google search again, don't do it. Google search, where are they now? Or what do they look like now? Right. Oh man, that, that breaks my brain for this perception. You know, I'll, I'll just keep going on that one. The one that, you know, I was, uh, I was surprised by, uh, Mickey Rourke is always the one where people are like, Oh yeah, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Uh, there was one point in time. He was a beautiful man. Uh, Molly Ringwald. Cause I have a history with her, um, yeah, with regards to my growing up and, and uh, at, at the time where she was starring in a bunch of movies that I was gaga over. Um, yeah. Where are they now? Pictures for her just uh, just to hurt me a little bit. But it's also a reality, you know, reality of things. What is beautiful? But it makes me also, you know, question beautiful at what time, you know, something to think about, you know, uh, you know, does a 16 year old in 2023, what do they find beautiful? And then what does the and does that, quote unquote, their perception of what is beautiful change 20 years later when they're 36? you know, in yeah. 2043. So it's, it's something interesting to, to think about there. And it brings up your point though, of the age old agreement though, right? The age old agreement on strip all that apart. And if everyone agrees and you pull them on what is beautiful, it's still going to be these things, you know? So. Right. And it also gets that idea that we'll talk about with fitness too, of like the, uh, the progression or continuum throughout one's life of like, external beauty and fitness peak roughly yeah one's 20s and, and 30s yeah. uh, uh but meanwhile you know internal beauty um you know thought of as various things in different cultures but having some overlap can you know grow as as one ages so yeah yeah for sure um so probably the biggest question in in all of aesthetics and the beauty discussion that we're not going to, you know, we're certainly not going to fully answer today, but we, we're going to discuss it in relation to fitness and natural beauty and body shapes and things like that is this question of is beauty objective or subjective? So it's one of the most controversial questions in philosophy and probably the single biggest uh, question uh, inside of aesthetics. So, you know, just to give you the lay of the land, um, the objective view is the idea that, you know, certain things are beautiful across times, places, and cultures. That's what I was just mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, ancient accounts were more wedded to the notion that beauty was in the object itself rather than the perceiver. So, you know, the the Mona Lisa or, uh, you know, pyramids of Giza or something like that. It's, it's the thing itself. Doesn't matter what time, place, or culture you're born into. Mm -hmm. um, on the face of it problem seemingly equally rational and perceptive people can disagree about what is and is not beautiful. I, you know, famously, uh, in, in grad school, I remember going out to a, uh, a pizza place and Jeff, if you're listening, love you, but, uh, you know, one of my oh, fellow that grads, that place, what's that? Did I go to that place? 
Oh, uh, this this was a place here in South Bend with, uh, oh, with for, for grad school. But uh, I did have some good philosophical discussions at Cornet as well. Um, and he was talking about how he didn't like The Godfather. Here's a seemingly just like Jeff. <laughs> yeah, well, here's a seemingly rational Jeff. You are an unbeautiful man, <laughs> and and someone someone who's very into film too. Like wasn't wasn't unaware of film. Like well, very well, deep maybe into. Maybe I need it. to talk to him because maybe he sees something I didn't see there. Um, you know, Warner Herzog and all that other stuff that you know. Uh, so, um, so yeah, that the the point being. We've all had that conversation where it, it, it's not like uh, ice cream flavors where it's like, ah, you like vanilla, I like chocolate. Mm. Uh, it gets harder when it comes to, you know, Beethoven is the same as Britney Spears or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the subjective approach is a bit more modern. You have people who wrote on this like Hume and Kant. So Hume famously wrote, beauty is no quality in things themselves. It exists merely in the mind which contemplates them and each mind perceives a different beauty. One person may even perceive deformity where another is sensible of beauty. And every individual ought to acquiesce in his own sentiment without pretending to regulate those of others. Um, and then yeah, the concept of liberties for people on their own perception there, right? In the eyes of the beholder, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And don't uh, don't tell someone else what you think it is to to sway them in the concept of that. Right. Yeah. I think it has a bit more, I mean... It has less philosophical oomph in certain areas, that idea of like whatever, you know, whatever you think you think. It has less philosophical oomph in science and mathematics and politics than it does in the beauty world. But um, it, yeah, it's definitely of relevance here. And then Kant, the judgment of taste is therefore not a judgment of cognition and is consequently not logical, but aesthetical, by which we understand that whose uh, determining ground can be no other than subjective. Every reference of representations, even that of sensations may be objective. Um, save only the reference to the feeling of pleasure and pain by which nothing in the object is signified, but through which there is a feeling in the subject as it is affected by the representation. Now, here's the problem with the subjective account. The word beautiful seems to have no meaning aside from something like, you know, the grunt or yeah. Yay, I like yeah. it. Um, I love so the word taste that Kant use. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great word. Yeah. Um, and that, that is, yeah. Around that time they'll, they'll use, it's very particular, taste. very individualized, very unique, very uh, sovereign for each person. So one way of trying to get around this is to try and blend the two to say something like it occupies some middle space between F equals MA and e equals MC squared and two plus two equals four. And, you know, cookie dough is better than mint chocolate chip and say like, well, yeah, there are things that are very cross cultures, but there are unique elements that uh, can stand the test of time. Yeah. Um, and then the last two, before we get to the fitness thing, uh, beauty and the good life. So just something interesting that will obviously connect to the fitness discussion. I, I always brought this up when I was teaching um, undergrad philosophy, this, this question that students got really into um, Aristotle versus Kant. So Aristotle famously thought that if one was born, ugly and really really he means like you know severely deformed uh but but you could also go the other route too it could preclude him or her from being virtuous and therefore happy the idea being that our ability to thrive in life to a large extent does depend on certain contingent factors that are beyond our our control um whereas kant famously thinks that no matter what 
constitution one is born with there's always the duty to um to act virtuously and um one can still be um happy insofar as one's like intentions are you know good and one has a good will and things like that so it's, it's, it's just something interesting to ponder later on when we when we talk about fitness and beauty how closely tied is this notion notion of like either uh, a beautiful face or a handsome face or a you know a fit or naturally attractive body or what what have you to the notion of like the good life mm. yeah the, uh, or what uh yeah, I, I really like that. Com if anyone wants to add something to it to go see it in a more humorous way, um, Seinfeld talks about this. I'm not sure if it was on a sh in one of his shows or just as a joke. I think it was a, like a live comedy special, perhaps. But um, he goes into the same you know point that I made about this you know six million people deciding that 25 were really beautiful. <laughs> but just hear my point there. There were six million people <laughs> and 25. <laughs> Right. And his point that he makes is such humorous. He's like, you know, just look around. There's not a lot of good looking people <laughs> around. You know, and it, it's such an obvious truth point. You know, well, well, again, it's, it's in the eyes of the beholders, the what is beautiful. But that it it kind of breaks your point there between Aristotle and Kant. Right. Because I, I would, you know, I'm in the opinion that, uh, like Seinfeld would say, if you polled everyone, besides my opinion, I think the percentages are very, very low of the highest ideal concept of what is beautiful as a human. That's my, you know, I think they're, I think they're, they are like, I dare to say the third rail, um, mutants. They're, they're like, there's very few among amongst us that actually like would, out of a huge poll, classify inside of that uh you know a million people all agreeing this person no this person yes you know like there's it's a small number any thoughts on that from like the current perspective yeah i mean going or back was to there back in aristotle's times like you know three percent of people got uh the ugly stick yeah i mean well, yeah, I mean that's that's a good question. Is like what what is the distribution? Like was that different back then? But I but I think a relevant consideration in terms of the determination of it is <clears throat> it goes back to what we were saying earlier, and we we all have felt this effect, right? It it's what people say about um, you know the Doritos Locos Taco and other things like that. Hy hyper stimulation of those senses, right? So for all of human history, if you're in Aristotle's time, you <laughs> you aren't getting. Uh, exposure to people for the most part in uh, what is presently India mm. or America. Do you know what right. I mean? And yeah. Like yeah. that is going to affect your perception sure. of like, you know, I mean, there's that joking saying like, uh, you know, someone is a, maybe I don't want to use my, my local area, but uh, let's use another area. Someone's, someone's a Cleveland 10, but a New York three. Got it. Got it. Right. That, that, yeah. that, that idea. And that, changes our perception of mm -hmm. what is beautiful like now we have access to all of it you can see yeah. the mutants yeah the people yeah. who are the most beautiful the most beautiful and then that's going to affect your perception of what are just general people yeah. and then what to do about that i think is the most interesting thing that i just want to observe right like the yeah. social experiments on uh on the data the true data inside of uh tinder right right yeah, like I, I just, you know, it's, I, it's, it's sad that I'm actually, you know, interested in just looking at that whole thing play out, but that's where it ends up. 
that's where it ends up today. And I think again that that has to, we have to we have to converse about that, about people's perceptions, right? For and then and what's the meaning behind that? You know, right? It's not always going like, to fall back to that uh, um, the attraction thing, but you know, we we still want to have some conversation on the definition of of what beautiful is. Right. But then again, I also want to be careful here discussing this only being a human thing too, you know, because we could we could. Uh, does it take it into a different area if we're outside of beautiful for a human, you know, and just beauty for, for other things? Do you know what I'm saying? So could we use, because Aristotle and Kant are talking about humans there, right? A person born ugly or a person with their appearance. Oh, uh, are, are you transferring over us into uh, to bestiality here, James? Is what, what what's, what's, going, oh, what's going on here? We're, we're, man, we're yeah. taking some some hey, real left turns. Listen, he, Robbie's Robbie said that uh, there's no chat room going on here in the background that uh, brings up. No, I meant. Um, you mean you like know, if is an it, animal is, is it only born connected? Or, what's that? You mean if like an animal is born deformed or something like that, or? Oh no! Um, what I was trying to say there is that we are talking about beauty beauty in the good life of a human but is it possible that if we're just talking about what beauty is and we don't use the good life for a human is there is there is, is there a little bit more room to see some obvious differences in what we determine to be beautiful oh sure and yeah i mean this okay. this this particular discussion is like a very subset of a subset of a subset it has it has it's usually brought up more in the context of like virtue and morality related to like yeah, of course. physical appearance and things like that. But yeah, that, that okay. definitely would be there. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, going back to your, you know, earlier point and, you know, seeing how it all plays out, like we're past the point of no return. Like you and I aren't going to unsee movie stars. Like yeah. other people aren't going to unsee TV shows. Like yeah. we have exposure to, you know, things from all over the globe and, all different characteristics and uh that affects our perception of, of beauty so yeah. yeah like you said like what, what do we do yeah um so yeah I'm, I'm not sure what the answer is there but something interesting to ponder yeah. uh and then the last thing to mention this is just sort of an interesting thing uh that various philosophers and scientists have brought up throughout history the idea of theories or ideas or frameworks being beautiful you know, so Einstein, Plato, and others have famously thought that beauty was a virtue of of theories. And if you had two equally useful theories, the one that was simpler or more beautiful or, you know, um, more aesthetically pleasing would uh, be perhaps the correct one. So it's just an interesting thing to think about, like, does beauty have any connection to truth? Is it just something we we like? But at the end of the day, if something's more complicated, that has no bearing on its truth whatsoever. So just just something interesting to ponder. Yeah, yeah. That may, it again, again makes me think about beautiful things that I observe in nature too, that I pull into it to determine, um, you know, someone making the statement, well, that's a beautiful seashell, you know, or that's, you know, that's a beautiful sound of the waves hitting the shore, or that's a beautiful observation of the you know trees and wind moving back and forth you know like that's that that's where i immediately go based upon a um a concept or questioning around what is beautiful um a beautiful idea though i wrote down um i say that a lot the first thing i think about too is maybe uh working backwards wasn't the the movie um a beautiful mind that was about john nash right the mathematician yep. right so that's fairly interesting right you know the, the beauty inside of a mind 
that's that's you know, collaborating all the time on numbers. Right. right. That's a very interesting uh, cultural significant point here to mention, as well as give our our viewers uh, uh, another thing to to check out that we can add to the show. Whoops. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Give me a second. All right, so let's talk about beauty and fitness. Um, so in fitness, the three main things people often seek out, and you know, we can, this is just, again, purely descriptive. We can have normative discussions about whether this should or should not be the case. But typically what people are looking to change are you know, how they look. We how asked they feel. Open AI. We asked ChatGPT this question. This is yes. what they gave us answers. Yes, yeah. And of course- That takes away all responsibility for the future. Listen, it's what the computer said. Yes. Therefore, it's true. The Borg said it. We can't critically think so. Uh, Borg uh, said, "Look, feel, perform." That's what they said is important. This is why it's even more important to have critical thinking going forward. Right. Um, so our changes in how human look, thinking, critical human thinking, critical human thinking. Oh yeah. By the way, did you see that? Uh, I saw an article yesterday that was saying that Sam Altman is now the co-founder of a company where their main <clears throat> product is going to be something that allows you to identify yourself as human rather than not like on on the internet like prove that you are in fact uh not a bot and a human so oh well we'll see how that plays out yeah um anyway the first one look obviously is, is pretty closely tied to notions of beauty rightly or wrongly with ideas of leanness and muscularity uh being tied to it so i guess the first thing to maybe start with would be um, you know, how does the modern fitness industry culturally impact notions of what is or is not physically beautiful? And I would say, I mean, I'd be interested to hear if you agree with this, but I, I would say as a descriptive fact, it's pretty spot on with Instagram in the past 10 years. I would say more so than at any time in human history, the fitness industry has had the fitness industry in particular has had an influence on what is oh, yeah. beautiful rather than not. Like oh, specifically sure. the past the, the past 10 years. I mean, it's not that it hasn't before that, but like yeah. really very recently. Yeah, that's outside of the argument if it matters or not, or if it right. like is, is impactful or not. But while I would agree with you wholeheartedly that uh, the way you want to think of it is just imagine either an alien or someone coming into a society of where we currently live and then, you know, discovering physical expression and attraction and whatever. And then just asking the question to the local community, well, what do I need to do? Right. And Again, you pull a thousand people, a lot of them are going to ask you the question, well, what are you doing for fitness? Right. So that's that's inside of it. Um, and uh, and, you know, really, it, it makes sense because it's almost like a uh, it's almost like the 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 humans, the current humans knowledge of how to construct and and how to shape. Um uh, is still luckily enough connected to in more so as opposed to nip tuck perspective, hard work, right? Like you actually, you're going to have to do the work in order to get that thing that you're talking about with, which is regards to the look. So yeah, wholeheartedly agree with that. It's still a real big tie in connection. Um, now, it is 2023. And what happens when you get you know, AI increasing as well as nip and tuck on multiple levels of steroids. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
that that's always in the that's always in the dark corner, right? Like the perception around what is beautiful. And yes, I'm not uncomfortable to talk about it, but uh, when it gets into a reproductive scenario, again, this is the uncomfortable question. Uh, if you, as a parent, are going to have a child, and in the future, you can decide, you can decide uh, with gene editing processes what the concept is of beautiful and what the concept is of reproduction and beautiful. Yeah, that's so this that's the darker aspect of things beyond this truth thing of yeah, fitness is a part of it and and this is what we're working with, but there is this darkness that's looming of technological increases and the and the change in perception of how important it is apparently in the digital platform that that people think that it's important what others think about them. I don't know, James. If uh, if Chat GPT and Sam Altman can carve me into Henry Cavill, I'm uh, let, let, allow Sam Altman to be our new overlord. This, this is <laughs> true. Kidding. He's the monarch. He's the monarchist, or <laughs> our new philosopher king. He's the new philosopher king. Yep. Um, no, but you're. I mean, you're you're right. And like something I thought of as you were saying that is how closely tied the particular type of technology is to the thing we're talking about in the cultural influence so like thinking back to the fact that like fitness in particular has such a cultural impact on uh beauty especially in in the states and europe and other places like we all know how, we now have these gigantic bitmap screens uh the social media platform before instagram was primarily text-based it was it was facebook and it was twitter right it, it wasn't i mean you started to see our pictures and stuff like that but then Instagram became the dominant one. And the whole thing behind Instagram, it was initially food photos and then, you know, travel photos. And, but then it was like one's body. Me. Yeah. Me like photos. Right. And like aesthetics plays. And then you have that and, um, you know, somewhat a of a vacation follows. Yeah. And somewhat of a cultural resurgence via CrossFit and other media of like, different forms of fitness and high intensity functional fitness and bodybuilding and, you know, powerlifting and Olympic lifting, which were like also rands 30 years ago, kind of niche things that are now kind of coming back to the fore. So yeah. um, you, you just get, um, it's interesting the, the confluence of different technologies that came together to make it such that this now has, you know, someone in the middle of uh middle of nowhere, India or China who, you know, assuming it hasn't been censored for them on Instagram, can see yeah. this fit fitfluencer from the states who you know is doing the liver king or what have you, and say, ah, that's that's the human form that I should be. And going back to the sixteen year old male or you know the sixteen year old female and what their concept is of what they should do to get a mate and yeah. to get their first boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, it's it's pretty profound in its implications. For sure, yes, so much in there that I. Um, yeah, I just listened to, this is a quote from Neil deGrasse Tyson explained to me, uh, the concept of, you know, the, the, the changes. So the, I should say the appreciation and the acceptance of the power of the culture in this new technological age. Um, and he talks about it as, well, some cultures just have a hammer that's bigger and harder than others. And so it's the culture that will 
you know, have a real big hammer that, as you just said, there spreads out. It's very important how you're perceived, how you're you're seen. And and then, of course, what you and I, where we sit, that leads to people having this thing around the body, right? Like, well, well, if this is important, who do I talk to 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 discuss body things? And it's us. And when they get to us, we're like, it's not really that important. (laughs) So you see, it's like this. ah. But but they're like, yeah, but there's a thousand other people who told me that it's the most important and you're the expert on it. So give me the goods on what I want to hear on the body. You're like. I don't, how do I revert? So this is, this is where I land on it is the, is the time it takes to, to change that when the culture hammer is really big to your point in fitness today and self-perception on the platform of the attention economy. Oof. Yeah. I mean, that, and that makes me think of a couple of things there, uh, just as we're saying it. So one is, you know, again, we've, we've talked about this idea of, of luck before and like, we didn't choose to be born in this age and era, but we happen to be. And who knows what it'll be in a hundred years time. But during the time that we've been alive, uh, American culture for, for better or worse has been a gigantic hammer across the globe with regard to fast food that, that became a thing that got exported across the world that has to do with, you know, beauty and health, yeah. uh, Hollywood and mm-hmm. and TV and movies like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of play, a lot of people in other places learn English precisely to see American movies or American TV shows. And you get these notions of, of beauty and fitness and what have you. Um, and then again, this, this may change, but for, you know, thus far, whether we're talking about Apple or uh, Google or what have you, those are, you know, American and uh, social media and things like that. Um, so a lot of these values around what is healthy, what is fit, what is beautiful, like right or wrong come out of, you know, American culture that then gets spread to other places. The second thing that I thought of too, because I thought that was a very interesting comment about like how much, you know, how strong is the hammer? I, I have always thought when you look back historically, it doesn't always work this way, but how nature will often fight back against culture. Like culture will try to say one thing about like uh, such and such and such. And then nature will be like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I've been around for millions of years. You've been around for 50. Like, uh, yeah. so that, but it, it, in, in outside terms of, of the human realm, standards, yeah. yeah outside like of that. the human realm, I do appreciate that. Right. Like, uh, um, you know, the unfortunate occurrence of 50,000 people dying due to the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Right. Take a moment, pause, reflection to think about nature's consequence of saying fuck you back to the technological marvels of buildings, you know, which there's also a political background in that and Erdogan's connection to construction industry. And anyways, I'm I'm getting getting outside the point. But um, I think with 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 regards to the current day and age, the point that I couldn't help uh, uh, jumping over there was. Sorry, go, go. Can you, can you repeat your final point? Cause it's important that I connect this, the, the Turkey one just, you know, lost. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the idea, and I, I just thought of an example to maybe illustrate this, you know, cultural norms of beauty and things like that shift as quickly oh. as the wind. And yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> na- na- nature fights back. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's the, and, and this is where though, um, in my opinion, I I have a disagreement with that slightly 
when it comes to humans and some of the current things that are happening. And I give my give my point on it. How I see uh, the the let's just use two data points in America, for example, because it's, it's very similar to your previous point that America has, I would agree, pushed out this concept. I just called it the concept of freedom and freedom of expression, right? So yeah, you're free to eat all this shit <laughs> and you're free to, to, to do a movie about whatever you want, right? That's a, that's a freedom concept. But what that pushes up against today that I don't see how it working out effectively where nature is going to push back is this cultural push around the natural format of male and female for reproductive purposes of human flourishing. So the data point will say, based upon what's required for, you know, um, and to look at what's happening in China now, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's not really a big deal. Well, you know, what about it's 2050, 2055, and there's so many aged people and what that does to an entire culture, an entire country based upon the replacement, right? The replacement of humans. So th this is again where I, I'm like, well, how, how is nature, how is nature going to push back hard on that when the current culture, right? And, and I don't mean culture as in like people's perceptions. I think that's small talk. I'm talking about like, you know, the challenges that are imposed for each man and woman that chooses to, to have three children. Right. There's 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 massive, in my opinion, I, I don't see a lot of, you know, positive nature pushing back. In that in that realm, I'm, I'm not sure if you or anyone has picked up where how I connected that for your point of like nature will always like come back and hit. Well, is it natural for a man and woman to have children? You know, I think that's where it comes back to the nature point and what we're calling that. And I, I just don't see nature, quote unquote, fighting back because I'm just calling, you know, Robbie, the two like my daughters, as an example, their future, you know, future requirements for like education to buy a home, to have a relationship, et cetera. Like there's a lot of challenges in that, a lot of future challenges in it. So the, are you picking up what I'm throwing down there in nature fighting back against that? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I had something different as an example uh, in mind other than you know, China's one one child policy that's now coming back to kind of bite them in the butt. Although I would say that, I guess, if you view it in a certain light, that is nature coming back to to fight back against culture and say like, oh, you thought you could uh, control this. Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. How's, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking more along the lines of like, um, I don't know, say something from yeah, the nineties are all, you know, in, in vogue again. Right. So Kate Moss and like the rail thin, you know, that was beauty, right. That, that was yeah. beauty. Like that's, that's, you know, and again, not, not to say that there aren't going to be ups and downs and then it's, you know, big butts and all, all this other stuff and fitfluencers. And, um, but I, I feel like there is, and, and it's not to say that nature always wins when it fights back, but there, there is something to this notion of like, a culture will try to impose these different standards of, um, you know, whether it's Victorian England and like hygiene or different things, they'll try to impose these different like cultural standards of what have you. And like um, that are really unique and idiosyncratic. And then, you know, nature will sometimes give that the middle finger and be like, Oh, yeah, good try. Like, okay. you know, it, it, again, it doesn't always win out, but um, 
it, I think it, it think it does with regard to beauty, it does bring up this, this uh, question or this idea that, you know, we had discussed a little bit is worth discussing this idea of like cross-cultural norms with regard to beauty. And while it's true that there are, you know, African, you know, norms of, in, in the sense of like the, you know, the different continents and different countries have different, uh, you know, uh, different times and places have different views of beauty. There is this biological notion where, you know, symmetry yeah. and, uh, you know, certain proportions uh, in terms of like waist to hip ratios and shoulder to waist ratios for, for men and waist to hip ratios for uh, women that, you know, cross-culturally, like they have done studies and asked like, hey, do you find this person attractive? Yeah. Um, that seem to either underlie or go beyond or whatever word you want to use there beyond the particular time and place of like this way of dressing or this concept of beauty. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so much. I was thinking, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Cause you made me, you made me rethink um, the importance of your nature fighting back. And you said it doesn't always work out. And that's maybe where I'm going after there is that you know, in some cases, that's just the way it is, but it, you know, it's still a natural truth, right? Like, I mean, it, nature fighting back fighting back for what fighting back for a good well i'm not to determine what the good is it's still nature fighting back so that's what i picked from your point there which i really appreciate um yeah i also have to have an appreciation for beauty inside of the uh just because you just mentioned it earlier but you talked about different cultures and around the world the the possibilities of hope inside of the american project for pluralism and and uh, interculture uh, variety and interrace marriages and interrace like I mean this is the place probably on Earth <laughs> could be arguable in other places where we're you may may not see if you're on the outside looking in may not see that we're we're up for it but what a great place to be able to do that like to quash all those concepts of oh you know they have beauty over there and we have beauty over here and this is good but here. We're, we're building that, like, I think a middle ground to your point on this concept of what is beauty, beauty amongst all, right? Amongst all. And I think that may get us down to that central notion of beauty on the inside uh, amongst all. Um, and it may like, it may just like quiet things or, or just like calm things down a little bit. That's what I thought about when you're talking about the differences in perspectives of what is beautiful in in Kenya versus what is beautiful in uh, Alberta. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's yeah, I think there's a part to that too. Yeah, where you get, you know, melting pots like uh like New York City and other places where you get to experience all these different forms of culture and art and beauty. Um but yeah, I mean even the other part I was thinking of was this the notion of external beauty and its connection with fitness and you know, uh the evolutionary side of things and fertility and um you know, muscle development and, and leanness like again there can be cultural conversations and discussions about whether this is in fact right or wrong or should or should not be the case it is an objective verifiable repeatable fact that across cultures times and places again not for everyone because there's diversity across populations but yeah on the whole yeah. if you survey men and women across different times and places and you ask them what's beautiful it's going to be certain symmetry ratios yeah and uh you know certain 
body ratios that are typically, although not always related to fertility mm-hmm. and or things, things of, or related to, uh, things that might, whether one chooses to have kids or not, that, that are in an evolutionary way linked to those types of things. Yep. Yep. And, uh, again, Jeffrey Miller's book on this, you know, uh, the mating mind, I think is what it was called. will give far more reading for individuals who are fairly interested in that particular topic. Cause it goes back to, um, you know, the female, um, being, uh, very picky based upon the burden in place and the, and the, uh, the challenges imposed based upon them being super picky and who they choose. And then for the male being uh, competitive, competitive amongst males in order to kind of, kind of climb the ranks. And when you think about it in that lens, like you just said, it totally makes sense as to why one would want to be beautiful because the innate thing between each of us is those two separate. If we're just using those two separate sexes as an idea um, is actually those truths around waist to hip ratio or <laughs> ornaments <laughs> um, that uh, creates that process, right? You know, this choosing process for reproduction and survival of the human species. So it's 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 innate inside of us to to have that a part of it. But again, I fall back to the current. I just look around and and it's it's not it's not necessarily uh, it's not necessarily always uh, appreciated that what someone has been born with and given, you know, the culture again is, is got a big hammer, right? It's a big hammer today that says that's not good enough. That's not going to cut it. You know, there's, there's an ideal. We need to work towards that, you know, pulling in all your points of like the young little skinny Kate Moss inside of Instagram. Now, I mean, that's, that's unfortunately still the, the piece about we've overcorrected, right? We've overcorrected and moved yeah. into, like you said, it goes up and down and back and forth. And, and that in my mind just creates more confusion, but I still think the cultural hammer is big there. Um, it is, but yeah, that, that actually made me think of a couple other examples that I think are uh, good illustrations of this point. Like, um, you know, various a- efforts at, uh, you know, squashing out masturbation. Yeah. Um, How's that one been going? Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like there've been various movements throughout different times and places that have tried to associate it with sin and, you know, then there are different, you know, or, um, you know, in Europe, there are different attitudes towards uh, premarital sex and Mm -hmm. things of that nature where like, again, biology doesn't always win, but sometimes it will fight back against this, like, well, in the modern world, a lot of people don't get married till they're 30. So do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how does that, how does that jibe with this notion? And um, yeah. so, yeah, I, I always find that interesting, the interplay between nature and culture. And then even more interesting, if you're of the opinion that we tend to be, and we're not involving supernatural or other elements into the mix, culture is nature. Mm-hmm. So, like that, that's an interesting one too, where like mm-hmm. it fundamentally, like it is a natural process that then, has sometimes anti-natural consequences. Yeah, so it's, it's this very weird or interesting interplay where like a culture could say something like, you know, masturbation is is wrong or premarital sex is wrong or something like that. And like, but how does that jibe with natural things? So anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> on the masturbation point, got to keep going on it. Um, it's like, who... Who makes those decisions? It's like it, it you know, it, it can't be unless they're just lying. It's like these men who would make that decision were never 
were never 13. It's like they were never 13 and had their initial boner, right? Or initial, like, what the hell do I do with that? You know, do you know what I mean? It's like an amnesia that comes on, right? But Or maybe they've been indoctrinated for 13 years to think that that particular biological act um, is a bad thing. It's not because it's morning time or it's not because that you're developing these intuitions and feelings and emotions, right? It's definitely uh, the creator testing you. Or what I think is more likely, although this is armchair psychology, so who knows, but I, you know, heard theories to this effect and I find them plausible. Uh, not that they forgot, but they're so far in one direction. They're, they're so far extreme in, in, in that direction of over-engaging in that activity. And there's kind of this self-loathing perhaps that develops yeah. that the only way to course correct is to say, nope, inherently wrong, yeah. sinful. Uh, yeah. But so, it still doesn't yeah. take away the fact that at 13, we get those feelings. That's my point. Right. That was my point. Yeah. It's like, it's like they all have amnesia, right? It's like, oh, that never, that never took place when I was 13. It's like, do we want to do a poll? Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you want to take a, a poll? A P-O-L-L. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. P-O-L-E. Poll about the poll. P-O-L-L. Yeah. I'll pay for the polygraph. Let's, uh, let's, let's see if you pass that one. Uh, so I guess another question here that we can potentially talk about is, um, and I think we know the answer, but maybe may be interesting to discuss some of the nuances here. Um, can the obsessive pursuit of, uh, of beauty via extreme forms of health and fitness make us internally ugly? So we're all obviously familiar with plastic surgery and things of that nature and the, you know, various issues that arise with that, but you know, um, can pursuing excessive leanness or excessive muscularity um, make us in, in internally ugly in the sense of, you know, just uh, depleting our character and our virtue and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for sure, a couple of things to think about, though, is um, as time has gone on, you know, I just I've just seen a couple of instances there. Um, and I'm not sure when I say the current crop of individuals making these decisions or coming up with these ideas where they sit on it, you know, like younger people, I would say. But I think that that is an intricate time when that brain is growing and sex endocrine is like on high alert. Let's call it like 13 to 19. This is a very, very interesting time across millennia, right, of like human human transformation through this period of time. And uh, it makes me. It makes me think that in current days, to answer your question of the accession of it, um, it's it's still there. You know, it, it's it's it. Uh, you know, because I think back into the you know late '80s, for example, and I look around right at the opposite sex for what they would you know um, use as that concept of this artificial or unnatural form of increasing beauty, what they would consider beauty, right? And of course, there's some conversation on that as to what that looked like and that. But I remember uh, one of these girls I had a crush on. Uh, she actually, I actually played badminton with her. So I was around all the time with her, which made it worse. Anyways, um, and she wore lipstick one time and I was like, oh, you know, so see, my point is like the, the, the cultural thing at that point in time is still relatively the same as what it is today of that uh, really a, a glorified public exception of that obsession around you there has to be there has to be that external beauty as important my whole, whole point there is that 
I, I don't see it moving in a positive direction where the culture is moving towards a much bigger acceptance of this internalized beauty. I, I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think in certain corners it is, but in, in other corners it's not. I mean, what about shoulder pads from the 80s, James? Those went away. <laughs> Gosh, there are so many things I should have done my research on that uh, I could have pulled up. From the yeah, women were wearing shoulder pads. And the only reason yeah. I know that is my mom used to wear shoulder pads. Yeah, but all, you know, ornaments, right? Like ornaments and uh, and we could go. And again, this, like we said, it's it's somewhat uh, a little easier for us to use, you know, high heels or lipstick or shoulder pads or whatever, you know, flock seagulls, you know, whatever the whatever the thing is. Um, and, and for, but we, we want to still keep it in that notion of like, you know, is to your question, can the pursuit of that, um, you know, make us, you know, internally ugly, uh, not, maybe not necessarily, but I think that I, I just, I see it moving towards that and people not focusing on to use our, you know, things we discuss, um, you know, internal immunity, right. Internal strength of your immune system, right. That, that no one gets to see that you know, as a, that's not an outside picture. And ironically, you know, an unhealthy immune system internally shows up on the skin. So again, to your point of like nature <laughs> coming back, but you can see, and as I say that, I know that Sephora will offer numerous ways around that. You see? So it's like, anyways, yeah. I didn't answer that question, but I did it, it. I think that pursuit is not healthy. I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think, you know, to go back to Aristotle's notion of like uh, the mean between two extremes, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for whether it's plastic surgery, excessive plastic surgery, the liver king, leg lengthening surgeries, cheetah woman, you know, triple E breast augmentation, you know, like there are these various instances of like extremes on the one end. And then there's the other side of like, not caring at all about one's health and fitness or appearance of, of any sort what whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe the, the happy medium is, you know, something with, I, I think the happy medium is a lot easier to flesh out on the natural side than the cultural side. I think it's a lot easier to flesh out in terms of like, yeah, certain, um, you know, those, those more objective proportions that are in one's control and one can do something about and try to bolster one's immune system and blood sugar and hormones and, and things of, you know, somewhat muscularity and somewhat leanness and, and, and things like that. Those, uh, that, that pursuit can be a, a good, noble and worthy thing. That's not pure artifice, um, and can lead you know, for the, you know, to, uh, mate selection and things like that. Whereas if you go too far beyond that, if you kind of push down too hard on the, uh, the accelerator pedal, you get, you know, liver King and protein and, you know, all, all that stuff. So, yeah. And the cult, you know, there's a lot in the culture that still perceives that to be the healthy ideal. Right. But this is a good time for a product placement for our t-shirt virtue action, um, you know, for, because we, you know, that's our philosophy is that, you know, to put it into terms used today, we're saying that beauty arises uh, with your attempt to naturally improve yourself as much as possible through like work and effort, right? And that's what we're calling action. And we think that's very virtuous, right? Hard, hard work, 
learning about physical expression and doing it for those intentions only to improve yourself. That, in my opinion, to be on the couch here being a psychologist for, for mating, that is actually attractive, dot, dot, dot. That is actually your highest form of your expression of beauty. Uh, and that's that's what I believe anyways. That, that's all you got. That's what you got to work with. And you got to try to make that thing as much effort as possible and continue to work on the effort for that, i.e. action. And we're saying, or I'm saying that that's very, that's quite virtuous as an admirable human trait. You just, yeah, you made me think of something that I hadn't thought of previously. Maybe there are counter examples, but I'm struggling to think of them now. Uh, is fitness one of the, if not the only one of different activities one can engage in that improves both external and internal beauty? I'm, I'm trying to think of others, like obviously academic pursuits. I think it'd be very easy for me to biasly say, oh yeah, it's the only one, but I'd have to think more on that. I'd have to think more on it too. But I, I think, I think it's fair to say one of the few, I mean, academic pursuits and learning are awesome. They do not, yeah, they do not Im improve external. Can't bench 225 though with reading yeah. books. No, you can't. <laughs> Fitness in philosophy, both, both. Yes. Um, but that, yeah, that's something interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, being intelligent and having, um, you know, uh, being well-rounded and different things like that or playing the piano and, or, uh, but, you know, they can, to a certain extent, uh, affect mate selection, but do they don't affect external, they, they affect internal beauty, but they don't affect external beauty. Whereas yeah, fitness, fitness and health do affect yeah. both. So that's an interesting one. Yeah, I uh, I think that uh, that philosopher, uh, what was the book? Happiness in Action. Yeah, yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good book to kind of that touches on a couple of those things to try to get the philosophical points of it. I don't think he goes too deep though on the your your question there, um, of the aesthetics of the of that project, um, you know, the questioning of the aesthetics inside of the physical project, right, and the physical challenges and trials and learnings and knowledge that's attained then about those efforts i don't think that's discussed so hmm, that's good yeah, yeah that's, good that's to a know. good question i i, I think a, a good point for people to walk away from this discussion with i mean there are a bunch of that we discussed but one is like it isn't entirely superficial or artificial to try and improve external beauty like when i say external versus internal beauty that doesn't mean yay internal and boo external we, we know the ways in which external can go wrong but you know the external stuff can be important and to the question of like how central is cultivating one's physical looks to the good life well i suppose it depends what you think is central to the good life but if you know um whether one chooses to have children or not uh even just the notion of mate mate selection right um that across cultures and times is a important uh consideration and while our emotional and mental and intellectual compatibility with someone is important physical uh aspects of things are also important so um yeah it would seem to be important in a way that's that's non-superficial non-superficial yeah. yeah the uh well i think that cues us up for another episode another time on pleasure and the concept around pleasures it is inside it's indirectly inside of this right is to I guess the motivating factors around that and what people are going for and what we determine that. 
Um, and it also makes me think of, uh, again, another our arduous project that we have of getting the most t-shirts on fitness and philosophy. Um, cause, uh, I would tie in a, like a JT, uh, uh, sexy, sexy back and, and turn it into like sexy organs or like, uh, what's a sexy adrenal gland, you know, like my adrenal glands are better than yours or, uh, you know, you know, I just try to think of the, the continuum of like, what's a really, what's a really internal ugly organ that no yeah. one gets to see, right? Lungs, right? So if you're looking at a beautiful woman uh, 30 feet away, right? And that in your mind is like, holy catfish, right? But internally, uh, they may be, um, their, their lungs may be wretched from smoking. Do you see what I'm saying? So, you know, that's, we need t-shirts that are like, you know, that's an FU to the outside beauty project, right? Something about action leading to, you know, beautiful organs. So. Yeah. Show me the, uh, need to make the digestive enzyme, the di to the digestive system. Beautiful. Again, that's our project. Make, uh, make micro biota beautiful again. <laughs> Yeah. Make poop beautiful again? No, it's got to be, it's got to be, um, we got to have an A. Make, that'll be our new version of MAGA, right? I mean, it's perfect timing prior to 2024, a MAGA t-shirt. And then from far away, it's like, yeah, yeah, MAGA. And the closer you get, it's like little brackets that says, make adrenals great again. Oh, like that. You know, I, I'll tell you what the potential secondary use for, for both of us could be, because I, I think to a certain extent, we're both, you know, e even though we can, you know, do podcasts and publicly speak, I think we, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we both lean a little bit more introverted yeah. uh, rather than that. Um, there was an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm where Larry used the hat to uh, basically just give himself space anywhere he went. <laughs> he wanted people to not sit near him at a bar or a table and be like, oh. Yep, just wearing the hat. And so, you know, if you just want people to like not bother you while you're working out or what have you, we can just, we can wear this uh, hat that we've made. Oh man. I no, Now tell me this, how many people have wore that hat for that reason? Very few. I don't think too many people are wearing the MAGA hat ironically. <laughs> yeah, that's a separate question. But, uh, but yeah, the answer that one though for those so who can are be part wearing of it, are they doing it to like disperse an audience? I don't think so. Yeah. So, anyways, um, we could really bring a new flavor to that. Um, that's true. Yeah. Say that someone uh, before they go on a date, they've got to show their in body with their visceral fat levels. You know the the in, the internal. You can't see you can't see the internal. Oh uh, yes, yes. Well, yeah. I I got. I got stuck on that one because that'd be like, oh, well, that would be, that would be, I mean, really, if I was the designer of those and yeah, that'd be a no brainer for me. Uh, I would also add in like se some sex endocrine hormone numbers as well. But uh, no, I was thinking something a little softer, like, you know, kidney function or something, you know. Pancreas king. The one, yeah, the one that's going to get you. Oh, there we go. There we go. That, that was, that's, you're dropping them today. Pancreas King. Thank you so much. P King. P King. Spelt P-E-K-I-N-G. Yeah, like the duck. Yep. That's what people will think. That'll be our that'll be our mascot. Yeah. Like Aflac. 
but there's a background to it. Only those who know will know. <laughs> there's a duck and a pancreas on the t-shirt. <laughs> You've got to yeah. figure out why. Okay, you tell me when you hear that. You know, when you hear ducks, right? Try to tell me you don't hear Aflac anymore. Like, oh yeah, how, no, I know. How yeah. magical was that marketing? Gosh, I mean, ducks own that now. Yeah. There's no one who can do that better. Try to do that. Like, try not to finish nationwide is. Try to, try to not finish that sentence. Right? I mean, anyways. Limu the emu. Pardon? Limu the emu, Liberty Mutual. <laughs> I love those. Oh, those are the greatest. And they have the one with now with like, it's like, like the, subliminal, the subliminal messaging with like the snap. Yeah. Like on the wrist. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like that click that like, oh. Uh, yeah. I like it. I like it so good. Um, I also just had a note there. We'll, we'll finish on just because I don't want to like leave it to another episode, but I uh, just let our listeners remember this, that uh, I just wrote down that it wasn't just it wasn't just like over the past 50 years where this concept around beauty and fitness has like come to come to be. Uh, what we're saying, what I was saying anyways, is that, that this this has been a long storyline, you know, but if you did wanted to take the idea, there was these intricate points in time in the history of fitness, right from after the aerobics, especially in America, after the aerobics craze, there was this new movement that happened that that I've mentioned before coincided with the 1970s economic stuff that was happening as well as the monstrosity of of uh, universities and academia and etc and the study of uh fitness and the study of science and physical expression etc and that trajectory just went guns ablazing and what it led to is all these conversations around to your point where to go when you want to ask questions around how do I shape this body to be beautiful, you know? So, but, but it is on, it's a, it's a fairly cool story. It's a very interesting story. You know, the, the, you know, Jane Fonda's through Schwarzenegger, through Poliquin, through Glassman, you know, like that, that's a pretty cool story as to where fitness and beauty was inside of all that. Um, I just wanted to finish on that point as a historical context that it is, it is, a pretty cool time to be alive inside of that fitness element, but there's a lot of dark sides to it too, with regards to that concept of beauty. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And something that made me think of uh, that I hadn't previously thought of is, you know, again, going back to this relationship between technology and fitness, it's a contingent historical fact. It didn't have to be the case. Maybe there could have been a hundred year separation, but the two are almost separate past but also intertwine for all of human history we did not have ready access to photographs mm -hmm. and to moving photographs mm -hmm. you know movement and like 1900 to 2000 both fitness and like photography and video exploded like i mean obviously you could mm -hmm. occasionally see like a, a mirror and i think you know newspapers would have like drawings and things of you know and obviously you have art that's somewhat of a representation but it's not as quickly reproducible mm -hmm. as like a photo yeah now you get to see not just your literal self in like a photo mm -hmm. uh, but other people in photos and with increasing uh rapidity mm -hmm. uh you know think of jacqueline and tv and arnold schwarzenegger and movies like mm -hmm. they're you know suzanne summers and you know infomercials like yeah. these two are 
separate but intertwined tracks in the past hundred years. And it just makes me wonder like how, how related the one is to the other in terms of like us being able to see ourselves quite literally through this media and then using that as a means to like, well, we want to improve this physical form. But then the the third, the third part of that is going to be that those two tracks coincided with for the first time again in human history, not needing to move. So that, that also played a role too, is that uh, you now have, well, we don't need to work on the farm. We don't need to physically express. And now people are getting heavier and now what, and now we can see that we're getting heavier. So what do we do about it? Yeah. So like all these yeah. different intertwined factors. Yeah. It brings us back to that point that I love going through on this, this, you know, dealing with reality, you know, how do we deal with reality today? Um, and your notions of reality of yourself and the notions of reality of yourself and your own physical being, you know, I, as you were talking about that transition period, I think a more extreme and if there's definitely, you know, third rail ones that I, you know, that we don't discuss, but it is, it is super important to that. Let's call a serious philosophical conversation is pornography. It's the ability in 1986, right? The work that I had to go through, <laughs> how hard it was that's a lot of work right but purely for but, research purposes yeah, just, purely just purely. Kind of, you know the articles figure out what was going on when i was 12 um, the articles. you know uh, what are these feelings um i was trying to do larry <laughs> anyways you know and but 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 think about your point right the the work that went into the accessibility of that that warped for a very sh short period of time for the work that went into it Right. It made me rethink how hard was that to find that it it didn't change my reality that much. Fast forward to 2023. Right. And a 13 year old with accessibility, how possibly that changes immediately because of the lack of work necessary. Of that unrealistic thing. Right. Like, oh, all all. Um, behinds and boobs are like that do you see it's like it, it that's the so the only reason why i bring that up is that that's that that's the extreme you know challenge we have in place today that's the extreme angle of it of uh reality well the reality is that it's right there so i mean this is where we come in because we need to be the physical people with some philosophical conversation on how to rewrite that and how to think about well that is reality. Well, we're not going to take away your phone, right? That that's just what it is. So if that is the case, what do we think is the is the movement that needs to take place in order to rewrite that? I think it's conversation through a philosophical lens to say, let's not forget these basic virtual, virtuous things. And how does that play a role now in this current society? How does that play a role now, you know, with this with this current reality? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, I mean, that is, I mean, going back to what we were discussing earlier, that is a, a pretty vivid technological example of what we were talking about, where like before, you know, Aristotle couldn't see people across the globe. And then, then you get to see more people across the globe. And now you get this immediacy of like, um, not just seeing movie stars, but, you know, um, you know, different sexual acts and, you know, when you're very young and things like that, and that influencing uh, one's perception of those things. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
Yeah, because they still exist, but now you have access to it at a really high rate of whatever access you want. Like, so anyways, it's and it's not, that wasn't my purpose to leave it on that point, but it allows the listener to do the thought experiment themselves on what are extreme, what you would call vivid cases of that, which right. really challenge that notion of what is reality, right? What is reality? When you, uh, when you leave that phone or video or whatever it is that the way it's the way that it's done today um and then you look around right yeah yeah i'm just imagining a 12 or 13 year old james as a local magazine shop <laughs> like with the nope. uh except like the playboy covers nope. that you know actually it was a, a i can't i can't call him out because i don't even know if my my best friend when i was 12 but uh it was his father's stash uh, that he had like told me about that he hid in forget what the it was it was uh, w this woods area off reed street um and so that that's how i got access it was yeah. like it was like i forget what i forget what film it was was it stand by me i think it might have been stand by me anyways he, he finds his brothers you know he opens it up and he's like you shouldn't be looking at that and the kid was just like <laughs> The eyes are like, <laughs> yeah. oh man. So basically I just answered your question as to what that looked like for James at 12 with that. It was, it was kind of a frozen, uncomfortable. I probably shouldn't see that feeling. That's what, yeah. Just being but honest. Also, did I, I just, like... did I just die? <laughs> like... <laughs> What what just happened? Am I, no, am I alive no right that was a half hour later. <laughs> Is this it? <laughs> Is this it? <laughs> <laughs> Editing. <laughs> Editing. <laughs> no, this is this is staying in. <laughs> Oh. The algorithm. <laughs> Actually, 30 minutes and 26 seconds <laughs> later. <laughs> uh, this is what it's this all about. Like, this is like uh, what it would, when Craig Ferguson used to sign off. He's like, and now here's your reward. So like for people who made it through two hours of the episode, like <laughs> that's the reward. <laughs> well, you have to put that in the notes of the podcast. Stick around. <laughs> Wait till the end. Put a meme in there. Just wait. Just, just, oh, just wait. No, just wait. All right. So uh, to sum up, uh, we had a uh, man. There's there's a lot of really good stuff in there. I feel like there was a lot of you know, the outline is usually a good like uh, starting place. So I feel like we went off on some really good uh, directions there. Different different things that uh, hadn't thought about before. So started off by kind of talking about. Um, you know, uh, how beauty is considered one of the ultimate virtues, um, this notion of uh, external beauty versus internal beauty and, you know, perfect lie versus beautiful. Right, exactly. The the two songs and, you know, that that being an exemplification of kind of the two ends of the spectrum, right, of external beauty and how it can go really wrong, which, by the way, shout out for. Uh, James, I'll send you the Nip Tuck intro. It's 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 the uh, that little the thirty seconds piece, and then the internal beauty uh, side with Christina Aguilera. But again, as we ended with, not all pursuit of external beauty is superficial. Some of it can be 
beneficial and helpful. And it turns out, like we discussed, maybe fitness is the route that can help with both. Uh, we discussed the beauty uh, question with regard to objectivity and subjectivity, and then with regard to the good life, and then um, lots of good discussion around, you know, objective standards of beauty and fertility and evolutionary history and things like that. Um, discussion around uh, how in the past 10 years, the fitness industry in particular with regard to, you know, Instagram and phones like that has had a tremendous impact on standards of beauty, uh, not always positive. And then, um, you know, how central is beauty to cultivating the good life? Yeah, great question, which uh, uh, even that that question that you finished with there, um, I'm reminding us and saying it out loud so we can have a t-shirt with those. Uh, oh, we for, almost forgot about the 1.0 times is greater than 1.5 times. I just want to say that again so we don't forget it for a t-shirt possibility um, along with Sissy Fitness and also this like, uh, you know, uh, beautiful organs concept, which I think uh, can go a long ways. It will go a long ways for me anyways. You know, it'll mean something. You know, and if anyone has any funny, uh, you know, beautiful organ thoughts, you know, um, that they want to sh want to share, uh, you can even get, you know, more humorous along the lines of this connection we made between beauty and and body and sex. And of course, ending up talking about masturbation and all the all the goodies um, is, uh, you know, beautiful ovaries or beautiful vast deferens. Right. Is T public going to let us? put a straight up penis on there. <laughs> well, maybe we'll, just shape it. We'll, we'll put the health, my new health wellness continuum in there and say, my VD is better than yours. Actually, that's horrible. VD stands for venereal <laughs> disease. I guess you wouldn't want to promote that, but that makes it even more humorous because yeah, we'll be like, talk about MAGA hat in a restaurant, right? I mean, if you're you like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it means vast deference. <laughs> I feel like this needs to be done now. Like we need, we need, we, we need, we need to like make the shirt with that, and then my VD is better than yours. <laughs> oh, oh good stuff. Stuff. Thanks, man. All right, thanks so much, James.